Chase Kitty on the High Motor Podcast this weekend. Chase, I want to start with this. Is your confidence level increasing or decreasing that we will see college football played this fall? It's increasing for sure. I, I, I wouldn't say by leaps and bounds, but I've seen, I've started to see some some campus announcements or sports-related announcements that like, hey, we're we're doing this. This no. I ask you because my confidence has absolutely skyrocketed, and there's no medical reasoning behind that. I don't even have a real reason behind it. And because it's skyrocketed, I'm getting really sick of talking about will college football be played? How will it be played? Who will play? What conferences will play? What will schedules look like? And a hat tip to all the the fine journalists doing the reporting on that. Dennis Dodd was on the show last uh, on Wednesday talking about his conversations with stakeholders, so I'm not discounting any of that and all the work that's being done to make this happen, but I think that we just need to take a break from that and talk more about actual football, and because I'm so confident that we are going to have a season, I think we have some fun things to run through today. Uh, Two weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago on the show, we talked about which college football fans were actually sincerely jealous of. So today we're going to flip it and ask which college football fans were not jealous of and think it would suck to be a fan of this team. Also going to ask which conference is the next conference to get a new team in the playoffs. So far through six years, 10 different teams from Power 5 conferences plus Notre Dame have made the playoff again in six years. Every year there's been a new team. SEC got a new team in this year or last year with LSU. No other conference, though, had a new team in. Ohio State had obviously been there for the Big Ten. Clemson had been there for the ACC. Oklahoma had been there for the Big 12. And along those lines, and maybe we'll start right here, actually, I tweeted out a few days ago that Ohio State is obviously the favorite to make the playoff for the Big Ten this year in 2020. And then looking out five years, they're the heavy favorite for the foreseeable future to return to the playoff, not to get a new team in. They're just the favorite from the Big Ten to make the playoff. Who's number two behind Ohio State? Who's the second most likely team from the Big Ten to make the playoff? I'm just using five years, arbitrarily picking that. We can use three, five, ten, whatever you want. And the reason I asked about Big Ten was because there's some interesting dynamics there and because of the gap, the East versus the West, how close Wisconsin has been, the polarizing nature of Michigan football, even Penn State football to an extent there. And we can, you know, talk ACC with the gap between Clemson and everybody else there. But I think this is more interesting with the Big Ten because in the ACC, it's really, really, really hard to see any other ACC team being relevant in that playoff conversation anytime soon. I know that I love the Mike Norvell hire at Florida State. I could see them getting there at some point. We both love Scott Satterfield to Louisville. Maybe they can make some noise at some point. But for the foreseeable future, it's really hard to see any other team from the ACC even being in that playoff conversation. So that's why it's the Big Ten. I tweeted out a poll a few days ago giving three options, Michigan, Penn State, and Wisconsin. Penn State dominated this very small sample size poll. Wisconsin got a few more votes uh, than Michigan, but basically it was Penn State, then Wisconsin and Michigan behind them. So first of all, disregarding my initial question of team number two, are those the top three teams 
behind Ohio State, again, Michigan, Penn State, or Wisconsin, or would you have thrown a fourth team in there or replaced one of those teams with somebody else? No, I think those are the right three. I, I think there's a certain, maybe somebody wants to make a case for Nebraska, but I think you and I have done a good job on this show outlining how far away Nebraska is from even being like a bullet point in that question mm-hmm. to be the next team. So I, I think those are the right three, yeah. Yeah, and I think before last year, before 2018, Nebraska, there could have been an argument, um, especially how Wisconsin ended 2018, getting their ass kicked by by Minnesota and then kind of going into that season. Maybe you could have made a case for Nebraska above Wisconsin. Clearly that was a blip for Wisconsin, and, and that didn't really matter at all. Last year was more of a reflection of what they've done over the last, what, two-plus decades now. Okay, so we have Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin. What about your Illini? So we have Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin. <laughs> I think we've talked about this before. I, I think we have. It was back like in 2007 or 2008 when Bobby Knight was doing the Big Ten tournament coverage. And I think like, I think it was Minnesota and Illinois that made it to like the semifinal because they had a couple of upsets in the Big Ten basketball tournament. And they got to Bobby Knight and they said, who are you picking in this? And he just said, I don't care. So whenever you ask me a question like that, that's exactly what I'm thinking of. Got I'm not it. even going to address that. <laughs> we have Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin. Who is number two for you behind Ohio State, and how big is that gap? I think the people in your Twitter poll got it right. I think it's Penn State. I I think it has to be Penn State because Michigan, even though on paper they are a strong number two contender, they really haven't done much to show me that they can close the gap. Wisconsin, I like watching Wisconsin play. I like the sort of zag approach that they have, but... I just don't think they're ever going to be able to win a matchup with Ohio State. I just don't think it plays in their favor. And so it almost becomes Penn State by default, but you don't have to make a Penn State by default argument. Penn State has won the Big Ten, like in the not-so-distant past. Now, it didn't get them into the playoff, but they did win the Big Ten. And the thing that Penn State has going for it that Wisconsin doesn't is you don't have to beat Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship if you're Penn State. You just have to win in the regular season. So I think even though there's a gap and I think it's sizable in terms of coaching and the athletes that Ohio State has and culture and and all of the advantages that you have in Columbus, if Penn State wins the head-to-head, that's a huge numerical mathematical advantage that they have in the same division that's going to vault them onto a path where they can get into the playoff. Yeah, and even though we're talking about 13 games here, 12 regular season, one conference championship game, let's say you usually 12-1 and winning the Big Ten championship is usually probably going to get you into the playoff most years. So the, the argument there that you're essentially making is that even though it's 13 games, it feels like it's one game for Penn State. If you're good enough to beat all the other Big Ten East teams, which is usually the case in most years for Penn State, not necessarily that you're going to do it, but you're capable of doing it, it then becomes one game. And maybe that game is at home against Ohio State. And they've been they've been there. They've been close against Ohio State and James Franklin. There's still a significant gap. I'm talking about on the field. There's still a significant gap off the field with recruiting, but they're still getting guys. I mean, they're still retaining talent. Like Micah Parsons was a top five recruit a couple of years ago. And now he's probably going to be a top five draft pick. So they're still getting the type of talent that Ohio State is getting, which not every team in the conference can say. Yes, Wisconsin is developing that talent into players like that, but they're not getting that talent initially. 
So yeah, I, I agree with it feels like it's just one game for Penn State. The East factor is too much for me to get over. That's why I would take Wisconsin. I think because of how the West sets up, because of, again, asked me this question two years ago, and I would have been really, even last year, I would have been really optimistic or not, not excited because I don't really want to see Penn or want to see Nebraska do well, but I would have been optimistic on the argument that Nebraska could get to the point of Wisconsin because of how badly they have failed in two years under Scott Frost on and off the field. I have ripped Nebraska a lot. I don't understand what they're doing at Nebraska, and because of that, they have dropped down so far for me that even with what Minnesota has done, even if Jeff Braun can get Purdue back to something, which I don't know if that's even going to happen after those first couple good years, even if Iowa has this this 10-win season that they kind of do every three or four years, Wisconsin's consistency makes them... Not, honestly, I don't even think it's close for me. I think Wisconsin is number two by far, and then Penn State is a very distant third, and I don't even know what to do with Michigan. I, I totally agree with you on the Michigan take. The, I, I don't know what to do with Michigan Where do you either. put them? I mean, I can make an argument. We both could, that they're number two. You can I also think make that, an argument that they're, like, number six. <laughs> you know, so it's Well, it's yeah, I mean, let, let's say, for the, for the sake of the argument, 2022 has always kind of been my, my threshold for P.J. Fleck at Minnesota. I think he's going to take them as far as he thinks he can go with them and then move on. But let's just say that P.J. Flex stays for like 10 years and they keep trending upward. There's a strong argument that Minnesota has a better chance to make the playoff than Michigan because of how those divisions set up, depending on how you like Mel Tucker to at Michigan State. Suddenly there are three teams now that Michigan has to get in front of. So yeah, I don't even know what to do with Michigan at all. Yeah, I... I... And I've been in a Harbaugh apologist for several years, and now I'm I've flipped after that Wisconsin game last year. I flipped from a Harbaugh apologist to just ripping him all the time. And even though I still think he's been good for Michigan, the failed expectations now, I don't have any confidence. It's kind of like Nebraska on a different level. I have no confidence that Michigan is ever going to make a playoff under Harbaugh. Part of me feels bad for Michigan because those expectations, they start inside the building, right? It's it's not us that put all of these lofty expectations on you. It's it's the people who are associated with Michigan who hire Harbaugh and then stick their chest out and beat their chest all day. So it, it's I feel bad for Michigan because I think they they think they live in a neighborhood that they don't really live in. And if they would take it down just one notch they would have sort of appropriate expectations and we wouldn't be constantly having conversations like this. Like, they're probably the third or fourth best program in the Big Ten. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, the Big Ten's been really good the last few years. And if you're the third best conference in a team, in a big conference that has a lot of good schools, like, that's that's okay. That's a good place to live. You're not winning national championships, but that's a good neighborhood. But their insistence on... Hey, we think we des- we're we're top tier. We're an elite program. Like, not really. You don't really have the his the recent history to back that up. So, it's it's kind of self inflicted at this point. How big is the gap between number one Ohio State and number two Penn State for you in terms of making the playoff? My gap between Ohio State and Wisconsin is not as big as I think people think it is. I mean, looking back to the first half of last year's conference championship game, uh, a few years back, 2017, I mean, Wisconsin wins that game with better quarterback play. I think that there's an obvious recruiting gap, and Wisconsin will never close that. But I also think we've 
forgotten how close Wisconsin has been to some really, really good Ohio State teams. And in the case of a couple of years, I think Wisconsin's in at least one playoff with with marginally better quarterback play, probably in 2017. You can make an argument that they're two playoffs away, or uh, two seasons of better quarterback play, away from being in two playoffs. So I don't think the gap there is that big. What is your gap there for Penn State to Ohio State? To some degree, Penn State is a slightly less shiny version of Ohio State. Uh, So I I don't necessarily think the gap is huge, but I do think for Penn State to beat Ohio State, they kind of have to have a perfect day. Like They have to have all of the things go their way, and they need Ohio State to mess up a little bit because I just think Ohio State is a better version of what they're doing. Uh, So... (sighs) Do I think the gap is huge? Not really. I think it's probably smaller than the Wisconsin gap, but I think it's I think it's all doable. Nothing's impossible. So yeah, if Penn State or Wisconsin were to get into the 2020 playoff, it would be a new team for the for the Big Ten conference. And like I said in the open, which conferences will get a new team in first? And I'm not even looking at this like a 2020 exercise. I just use that as an example here because if we're talking about 2020. I mean, you're, you're basically predicting the fourth team. And I'm not saying that Ohio State, Clemson, and Bama are shoe-ins to make the playoff, but again, they're heavy favorites. Then you can even throw Oklahoma in there, I guess. So it seems like a futile exercise to say that we're doing this for 2020 because I'm not at all confident. I mean, even going into last year, we've talked so much on the show about how LSU going into last season, if you had told anybody that they would, in my opinion, be the greatest team of all time, they would have laughed at you. If you would have told them that they would have been in the playoff, you would have gotten a lot of laughs because that just wasn't there in the preseason. So as we sit right now, those three teams, then you can throw Oklahoma in there, are still heavy favorites to make it. Making the bet, uh, I mean, you're a betting man. If you had to bet right now, we'll get into actual teams and conferences here, but if you had to bet right now that a new team, a 12th team, will make the playoff, we've had a new team every single year for the first six years, if you had to bet the value of that, you would take the no that we would get a new team in this year, right? I I would think so, yeah. You would think that those odds would be heavily leaning toward no. I don't know what that would be, minus 300 maybe? You're just running out of teams at this point, and I get that there are 130 teams in college football, but... There's not 130 playoff teams. Right, I don't even know. I mean, we're going in, I think last week we said, you know, every year maybe 15 if you want to stretch it, and that's basically stretching it to kind of like where LSU was. So I would assume that... Minus 300, would, would 300, 400 would be in that ballpark, even though over the last six years, we've seen a new team every single season. So you would take the no on that for sure. Yeah, I mean, it would it would depend what the price is, but I would definitely be looking at the no side of that, yeah. Looking through the conferences here, we, we can all assume that, that a G5, we're not going to put that in, in this conversation at all. Could it happen? Sure. I'm a big believer that if the stars align, a G5 team can get into the playoff. It'd be extremely difficult, depending on schedule, need a little bit of chaos and all that stuff. What conferences are you lobbying off the top as well? For for me, it's the Pac-12. I don't think the Pac-12 has, has any chance this year of getting a new team in and for the foreseeable future. I mean, maybe if USC makes a change, that that could change a little bit. Maybe if Jimmy Lake gets Washington moving a little bit. I don't see Utah making it. I think last year was Utah's year, and I don't think it's going to get a whole lot better than that. So I'm lobbying off the G5 from this conversation. I'm also lobbying off the Pac-12. Yeah, if we're talking about new teams, I don't see how the Pac-12 gets a new team in. I, I, I mean, it's a struggle for the Pac-12 to get any team in at all right now. 
Um, so I definitely don't see him getting a new team in. And I don't see an ACC team not named Clemson getting in. Yeah, and I, I think even as I said in the open, I like what direction Florida State could be headed. I like what direction Louisville is headed. Uh, beyond that, Miami hasn't shown that they can be competent at all. Jeff Collins, I love that hire. I think you like that hire as well. But there's there's no reason to believe that any other ACC team will be in this conversation, let alone make the playoff anytime soon. So we're both on the same page of lobbing off those three conferences, leaving us with the Big Ten, Big 12, and the SEC. Which one are you taking off again now? Man, this is this is where it gets really hard with these three. But I think the Big Ten. That's shocking because they're number, to spoil it, they're number one for me and it's not even close. Yeah, I, I've I thought about this a ton this week because I knew we were going to get into this. And I think the top two for me that I went back and forth with were the Big 12 and the SEC. And I can get into the reasoning why. For uh, the Big 10, is your reasoning you just don't see anybody beating Ohio State? And even if, let's say Wisconsin. Wisconsin goes 12-0 and in the regular season, gets a couple of nice wins, maybe a crossover win over over Penn State, and then one of the West teams ends up being top 15 team. So they're 12-0 and all going to the Big Ten Championship game with a pretty nice resume, and then they lose to Ohio State by 10. You, you just don't see anybody beating Ohio State, and you have a hard time seeing the 12-1 and non-champion Big Ten team getting in. That's that exactly what it is. Okay, I, I, okay. I'm struggling to envision two Big Ten teams in the playoff, and I think at least for the next one to two years – like Ohio State is going to run that conference. I think after that, you could have some interesting conversations. But now we're talking about three years down the road, and I think one of these other conferences in the next two or three years could find a way to put somebody else in. That's kind of my reasoning why I actually think the Big Ten is number one, because I do think that Ohio State is going to be so dominant. I mean, we haven't gotten there yet, but look at their their 2021 recruiting class. They're just completely dominating college football with that. So the talent is not drying up for Ohio State. But that's why I also pick them, because if you get a 12-0 West team, or even an 11-0 East team that loses to Ohio State, and then you an 11-1 team, we saw Alabama get in from, from the West as a non-divisional champ a few years back, it's possible. But that's why I'm picking the Big Ten, because I could see a 12-0 Wisconsin going into the Big Ten championship game, like I said, let's say they have a win over you know, a top 12 or a top 10 Penn State team or like a top 10 Michigan team, and then a bunch of really decent wins over like a Minnesota and Iowa, Nebraska, Purdue, that I could see them having a good enough resume in a, I don't want to say a perfect year for them to get in, but I could see it being a favorable year for them to where they could go play Ohio State in Indianapolis and lose by seven, and the committee still say, you know what? That Ohio State team is so damn good. They've blown on everybody by 15, 20 points this year. Ohio's, or, well, Wisconsin stuck with them with well, a seven-point loss. I think that Wisconsin is one of the top four teams. I think there is a margin for error for Wisconsin going into that game that you don't necessarily have to win it. That's why I picked the Big Ten. All right, let, let me carry that idea through just a little bit farther. So in that scenario, Ohio State's killing everybody. They're probably the number one team in the playoff field, right? Yep. Non-champion Wisconsin sneaks into the playoff field. They're probably the four seed, right? Yeah. Do you think the committee would schedule a Big Ten championship game rematch for one of the semifinals? I know that they say they don't look at stuff like this, but come on. I think because of the... There's no 
precedent. I mean, this isn't March Madness where they've had, you know, 35 goals at this this 64-68 team field, and they've very clearly said, we're not doing this with, with conferences in the first couple rounds, and they loosened that a little bit. But, yeah, I, I don't believe that the committee, no. Yeah, I don't think there'd be any problem with that to answer your question. Okay. Um, that the, the one thing that is tough for me there is in putting in two Big Ten teams, I mean, you're you're essentially saying, okay, Clemson is in, and then SEC champ is in. They're not leaving out the SEC champ, even if the SEC champ is 11-2. and two. That means somebody needs to beat Oklahoma in the regular season, and then Oklahoma probably has to lose the Big Ten. The, the Big, uh, Big 12 and Pac-12 champs both have to have two losses. That's where I struggle with the second Big Ten team, but I still would take the Big Ten as the next conference. All right, so here's here's why I think it's one or the other two. At first, I was really thinking Big 12 because basically nobody has any playoff clout in that conference except Oklahoma. But we saw this past year how close other schools could get with Baylor. Like, Baylor was really close. And if you want to go back a few years, Baylor and TCU were both really close. One of these days, maybe, possibly, I don't know, Tom Herman in Texas might get it right. We on this podcast are not huge. We're, we're, we're definitely doubters of the I'm Texas struggling Tigers. to take this take seriously. Yeah. So that's why I started with the Baylor and TCU stuff. But I think with, I think with the Big 12, what you've seen is that there is a lot of turnover year to year and that several different programs can rise up and challenge Oklahoma at the top of that conference. Nobody has gotten it right all the way through yet. But I think it could happen. How many teams is that? It's Baylor, it's TCU, Baylor, TCU, maybe Oklahoma State and Texas. Maybe if you Oklahoma want to State, put them in there, Texas, yeah, yeah. I see the volume argument. Absolutely, you can't go to another conference and say, depending on how you view the SEC, you can't go to another conference and say half the teams could make a real push. Right. So that I see that argument. I think the volume thing is there, and then for the SEC. There's a lot of teams. It's it's similar in that a lot of teams can be really good, and a lot of them haven't made the playoff yet. We haven't seen a playoff-bound Florida yet. We haven't seen uh, a playoff-bound Ole Miss yet, and I don't think Ole Miss is really all that close. But now that they've got a, a new man in charge down there, you know, you never know what's uh, what's going to happen. I got really hung up on Florida because I do think I think I wrote this maybe a couple of weeks ago. I think that Dan Mullen will win a national championship at Florida. I don't know when that will be, and yeah, I I, I that was the one that that I got hung up. I'm not really convinced that Jimbo is going to lead A and M to a playoff. I'm I'm just not there yet. I think that his first two years have been fine. But I don't I mean you mentioned But Ole not Miss. within spitting dif- distance. Yeah, I mean you mentioned Ole Miss and we can talk about, you know, Tennessee's are recruiting so well right now. We can talk about Mississippi State, all those other teams, they do nothing for me. And I think that Kiffin does a lot more for me than the Ole Miss brand does. I think that the screams over the SEC is uh, that people like the SEC too much, they you know, they bow down to it too much. That gets annoying. But there is a point to be made when you have all of these mediocre teams that are looked upon favorably. I mean, South Carolina has been mediocre since Spurrier left. And I feel like South Carolina has a more positive perception than another mediocre team in another conference. And those teams, 
And those teams just don't do anything for me. I don't care about South Carolina football. I don't care about Mississippi State. I don't care about Ole Miss, even though I like a lot of these hires that they've made. I mean, look at even Arkansas. Arkansas has been pure trash for, what, two and a half years and then pretty bad before then under Bielema. And yet Arkansas is still considered one of the better top 30-ish jobs in college football, even though they've been trash for the better part of a decade. That That's what irritates me about the SEC is all of these bad or mediocre programs are looked upon so much favorably. I mean, like, Illinois has been significantly better than Arkansas. And I get Arkansas has better facilities, a better jobs, a better region, all that stuff. But Illinois has been far better than Arkansas for several years now, and yet Arkansas is looked upon more favorably. Anyways, I'll get off my soapbox. I just get sick of t- mediocre and bad teams in the SEC being considered in the national picture, especially for a conversation like this. I'm not saying that's what you're doing at all. I totally agree with you on, like, the middle of the SEC gets a pass the way no other conference does. That's absolutely true. What I was thinking about is, A, how much time does Saban have left at Alabama? Because I don't don't think he's going to retire this year or anything, but I think he's closer to the end of his tenure than he is to the beginning of it. Uh, and then I don't, I've, I've made it pretty clear. Like I'm not a long-term believer in this particular LSU program. Like, I don't think they're going to win four national championships during this particular head coaching regime. So I wonder if you take those elements out of the equation, like somebody has to step into that power vacuum. And I think the obvious answer is Georgia. So that doesn't really do anything for this conversation because Georgia's already made a playoff. But all you have to go is really one step beyond that, and almost the entire rest of the conference would be new to the playoff. Everybody but Auburn. I mean, so I, I do think the SEC has a little bit of juice in this conversation. But if you're going to, to your point, if you're going to insert that many ifs into the scenario, wouldn't you probably be better off with your Big Ten two-team scenario at that point? Yeah, I agree. And I think that you make a good conversa- good argument for what is ripe. But when you say, let's, I mean, let's say that LSU does falter, not much, but they do get a new staff in there at some point. They don't do what they did again last year. Nick Saban retires. I think it's ripe for A&M. And I'm just not confident that A&M can do that because they've I mean, I, I get that they've invested more over the last few years than they have, but for several years, if not decades, they have invested heavily in that program, and they have underwhelmed almost every single season without, with the exception of the first couple years under someone. So I think it's ripe for A&M. I just don't know if A&M can do it and how Jimbo left Florida State. That gives me no confidence. I mean, when I see like coaches' rankings and Jimbo Fisher is number three in college football, why are we not knocking him for how he left a program? I mean, he basically tore down a program at Florida State, and we think he's the third best coach in college football. Who who do you think is the third best coach in college football? I think it's Lincoln Riley at number three. Yeah, I mean, I know I'm putting some, you on the spot here, and it's a hard it's a hard well, question to answer. I, I think there is, I I think there is a very very top tier that's Saban, Smart, Dabo, Lincoln Riley. Like I don't think anybody else touches those four. All right, let's move on. Like I said a couple weeks ago, we talked about teams that that were legitimately jealous to, for the fans to be a fan of that team. Flipping it around, I think that we're going to talk about some of the teams that <clears throat> we've already mentioned here on this podcast, teams that you just don't want to be a fan of. 
I'm going to start with Texas A&M because you mentioned them two weeks ago as a team that you're jealous of because they get the benefit of the doubt so much and the actual production sucks, but not many teams in college football get that type of benefit of the doubt that Texas A&M gets, that Nebraska gets, that Miami gets. I know that there's more national awareness on, hey, maybe Nebraska just isn't that good. Maybe Miami just isn't that good. Maybe Tennessee just isn't that good. I think it would suck to have that. It would suck to have that hype in the preseason. I'm going to lump so many of these teams together. Like I just said, Miami, Tennessee, Nebraska, Texas A&M. I can't even imagine what it feels like to have the resources, to have the national footprint that you do have, and to consistently fail, to be losing to teams like Georgia State at home. I can't imagine that feeling, to getting blasted by Western Michigan like Tennessee did. I can't imagine having that feeling. I don't want to be a fan of any of those teams. Yeah, I have written down in one corner of my sheet here, Texas, Nebraska, Tennessee, Miami, Michigan. Texas, like, yeah. I didn't even I think Texas might Texas might be the worst. And Is those te- all fall in the same category for me of like like reputation actually drags your product down. Yeah. 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 Who's the worst out of those? You mentioned I don't think I said Texas in my initial ones. They might be the worst just because I wouldn't want Tom Herman as my head coach. I I think the thing about Texas the the thing that is unfortunate about Texas is that like Texas is an actual punchline now. Like how many times a season now do we hear Texas is back and people are not saying it earnestly? Like it's it's a known joke now and that must suck if you're a UT fan. Uh the, <laughs> but the thing that annoys me about Texas is like the sacred cow stuff that that like you can't like I don't know. I I've I've never really gotten over the whole like it people love to do horns up but then when players do horns down that's a personal flag. I've never gotten over that. That sucks. I think that's so stupid. Uh so that's my own I guess pet peeve. But Texas is Texas has got to be up there just because like with Nebraska and Tennessee it's more of a like one moment in time thing. Like you you guys had it really good for a few years once decades ago. And now you think that's where you live. And it was just, it was a blip. Like you're not getting back there. Texas does have a long history of being good and they just haven't been for a while now. (laughs) So that, that kind of sucks. Yeah. Do you have any, I have two G5 teams on my list. I'm curious if you have any, do you have any G5 teams on this list? No. Why? I do have an FCS team on this list though. Do you just think because expectations are lower. I mean, you said a couple weeks ago, we, we both agree with it. Like App State, App State, it just seems like it'd be fun to be a fan of App State. But do you think because you're not expected to go to like a playoff, it's not that bad to be a fan of your team? Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess the corollary to that would be there is a ceiling that you probably can't break through and never will break through. And like, if you're a UCF fan, that must suck. And I think there's probably another argument about UCF to make about, man, you know what I don't want to be? I don't want to be the UCF guy that's arguing, well, actually, we were the national I don't want to be associated yeah. with that shit. <laughs> I don't that, wanna... <laughs> but the, the part of me, part of me always respected that argument, not because it's a good argument, but because there was some hypocrisy of, hey, how come Alabama fans get to reference 80 years of people taking a popularity yeah, but I don't contest? care. Like, yeah, I know that fans do that, but I don't care about those. If you are sitting here, I mean, like, I grew up in Minnesota, and 
Minnesota hadn't won a Big Ten championship night since 1960 or a national championship since 1940. Cool. You have that on your stadium. Nobody cares. Nobody cares buying that. So, so I get that. I just good call on UCF. I just don't want to be associated with that. Before we, I have two uh, G5 teams on here. Number one, UConn, because it just doesn't seem like UConn is taking their football seriously. And I think yeah, it'd be so frustrating, yeah. so frustrating to be a fan of that when you want to like college football. And I know that college football is a little bit different when you get that far up in the Northeast. You can probably talk about that more than I can. I get that, but it would still be frustrating to be a Division One FBS team and to sit. And it's so clear that they, and I get that they, the state has financial problems. And the school and the program, the athletic department, they all have bigger financial issues to worry about. But still, it is very clear, even through Randy Etzel's ridiculous contract, that they're just not taking that program seriously. I think it'd be so frustrating to be a fan of that and say, yeah, I really want to root for the Huskies. I want to watch college football, but we're not taking it seriously. The second one is just what you said, Boise State. What honestly are you playing for? And I know a Boise State beat writer, BJ Rains, and he said that the, the the goal every year is to make a New Year's Six Bowl. And, hey, that's cool. That, that That's a big deal. I get it. But ultimately, what does that mean? I don't like bowl games. I don't care who wins bowl games. I don't care who wins New Year's Six games. There are too many other variables at stake there or at play there. So I don't even care about those games. If you want to, great. Good for you. Go for the New Year's Six Bowl game. Win the game. Awesome. Put up the trophy banner. All that shit. Ultimately, what are you playing for? I mean, it's been 20 years of 10-win seasons at Boise State, and I get that Boise State is revered in the national picture. Everybody knows about Boise State football and the blue field and all that stuff. But aren't you playing for something bigger at some point? And doesn't it become frustrating going into the season? Yeah, well, we're going for that New Year's Six Bowl. We can't say, yeah, we're going for the playoff. I think that would suck. I totally get where you're coming from. Uh I wouldn't mind being a Boise State fan, even though you are putting a cap on what your success can be, because you win a lot of games, man. And and winning is fun, and winning is a good time. Even if you don't really have a shot at winning the big game, like you're still winning a lot, and that's got to be still have, fun. You still have the game day atmosphere. You yeah. still have all that stuff. So I'm not, I mean, as a Kansas alum, like I get that. I wish that there could just be a fun game to go to and a fun game to watch. I've wanted that for a really long time. So I get that part of it. But because you've had it for two decades, I would think at some point there's a hole in you that's saying, God, what are we really playing for this year? That's fair. I want to go back to your UConn point because I have I have a couple that are... Well, let's, let, me, let me just explain. Uh, I, two of the ones that I wrote down, and, and there's low-hanging fruit we can have in this conversation where we can just go... Hey, you know who I don't want to be? Rutgers. Like, okay, we all understand that. We're we're just sort of leaving that alone. I don't think I would want to be a fan of Syracuse or Boston College. Uh, and I like those. I especially like Boston College. I think it's fun when, when Boston College is good. Uh, but in terms of like game day atmosphere, you mentioned UConn in the Northeast. I don't want to tailgate at Syracuse. Like, I don't want to do that. And Boston College, I mean, admittedly, never been to Boston. I don't know what kind of like tailgate scene is at Boston College. So maybe I need to investigate that further. But I just don't see that being remotely on par with what goes on 
like kind of in my neck of the woods. And I'm not even in like the deep South. Like Virginia is a weird state. That's like four different states at once. Like, but even in Virginia, like you got some good tailgate scenes. I just, I'm I'm struggling to see what the Boston tailgate scene looks like. Uh, So there's that. And I guess to some degree, I also had Washington for the same reason. Like Seattle's got to be awesome for a lot of reasons. And I kind of put Washington in that category with Boston College where I think college football is more fun when Washington is good. I don't want to tailgate in Seattle. Like, I don't want to do that. That doesn't sound fun to me. I I don't have any problem with the... From what I've heard, Boston, I have a buddy that went to BC, and it, it's actually a pretty good time when they're good. From what I've heard, the game to atmosphere is, is pretty decent. I also have a friend that went to Syracuse, but yes, you're playing inside. I mean, I... I don't understand that at all. I don't know why you're investing all these millions of dollars to put air conditioning in indoor stadium, whatever. I will adamantly disagree with Washington because it's one of the most beautiful settings for college. I don't know what the game day atmosphere is. I've never been there for a game. I've just been there before. It's one of the most beautiful settings with the stadium right on the water, kind of down the hill a little bit, beautiful campus, got a great sunset. It is a beautiful setting for college football, and I think it would just be fun to be a fan of that. And we're not even talking about like wins and losses here. We're just talking about the experience. Yeah, of, that's of being I'm at the I'm game. totally not talking about wins and losses. Yeah, that I mean I'm going I'm going completely in a different direction. Who's your FCS team? Okay, here we go. So everybody, even if you don't follow FCS football, a lot of people probably know that North Dakota State is very good. Uh, they've won like eight of the last nine national championships. Their record is very gaudy. I think they're on like a 38-game win streak right now. I mean, it's ridiculous. There is a team that is arguably their biggest rival, South Dakota State. South Dakota State is really, really good. They're like a top-five program. They're going to beat Nebraska this year, and I'm going to love it. Yeah. They never win anything that matters. (laughs) Because they are down the road from North Dakota State. And it must be... This is like Auburn next to Alabama on steroids. Because Auburn... I mean, as frustrating as it must be to be a really... You know, a top half, strong SEC program next to Alabama. Like, this is that times a million. Auburn has won Iron Bowls. Auburn has gone to the playoff. They have won national championships. They had a Heisman winning quarterback what, seven years ago? So it's not like Auburn has starved to death during this. It sucks that you don't have as much success as Big Brother, but you're still doing some stuff. South Dakota State, forget about it. Like, the the way the FCS playoffs work, you're always seated kind of geographically and you end up playing the teams that are close to you almost all the time, which means they can never go anywhere in the playoffs without having to go through North Dakota State and they are over. They have not beaten them in the playoffs. Not once. <laughs> so they just are, are completely screwed by geography. And that must suck for anybody. But it must really suck when you're like a legitimate top five program. But you can't do anything because you're next to number one. One note on that. And I didn't even listen to the second half of the rant because I was, I was wondering how I should address this. You said Auburn's been to the playoff. They have not been not not playoff. you're right i shouldn't have been to the i shouldn't have said that they went to the bcs and i assume you knew that but when you said it i was kind of like well i'm, I'm like 99.9 percent sure they haven't been it's like one of those things when somebody's talking and then you you're like well should i interrupt him right now and then you quickly google it to make sure i had to i was 
pretty goddamn sure that they've never been to no, the playoffs. You're correct. But, yeah. I was I just in the to, flow of it. Yeah. I didn't want to embarrass you on the air and then embarrass myself by saying they haven't been when they actually haven't been. So add them into my add them into my SEC rant from earlier where they're another team eligible to go to the playoff hadn't been. On a scale of one to ten, one being low, ten being high, one being not excited, ten being really excited. How excited would you be if South Dakota State went down to Lincoln and won in week three? Oh, I'd be pretty stoked. Yeah. I'd be happy would for you, them because I, I genuinely level, feel though? bad for those fans. So you're happy for South Dakota State. I'm happy because I'm just kind of sick You're of happy because you, you want to be right on your Nebraska take. Yeah. I get that, too. All right. Check out the show on Twitter, at High Motor Pod, on Instagram, at High Motor Pod. And we'd love to have you back on Wednesday for the midweek episode of the High Motor Podcast. Thanks for dropping by. Have the most marvelous start to your week. I saw a friend today. It had been a while. And we forgot each other's names But it didn't matter Cause deep inside The feeling still remained the same We talked of knowing one before you've met And how you feel more than you see And other worlds that lie in spaces in